Lord, we thank you that you have come on that night. You came to save us, to rescue us, uh, that you died so we would not die and that you bled so we would be atoned for, that our sin would be taken care of, that we would be forgiven. And I pray that out of that, we would be those who would move in to the kingdom of darkness with your kingdom and bring light and love and joy, peace and patience to those around us that you would use us to bless our community and our families, um, all the places we go. You're really good to us. I pray you'd bless these words as we look at your book of Saint of Second Peter and that you'd uh, today challenge us and encourage us uh, and continue to awaken our hearts so that we'd be those who love you and love others well. Amen. Good morning. Um, good morning. Uh, excited that you're here again. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights, coming right from my uh, dining room in Columbia Heights. First things first, after we hear from Tiffany, she sends me her video. And my first, qu my first question is, I need to see pictures of this rabbit. Thankfully, she sends them. This is Harriet the rabbit. I'm told, I said, ooh, she's big uh, and fluffy. And I was told she's actually very small, but quite fluffy. So now everyone knows that's Harriet. Apparently she just roams around the house, it looks like. It's amazing. Wow. And chews stuff, apparently. Uh, thanks again to Tiffany for sharing. That's, that was a real blessing. And it, um, at many weeks, um, it's not coordinated other than uh, finding someone to share, uh, willing to share. Oftentimes, though, I guess that's how the gospel works. Um, the video sent, what God's doing in the hearts of our people and our church uh, is often very connected to what, uh, where we are in the book that we're in. And we are in the book of Second Peter. Uh, we're in a study uh, for the next month or so into September, uh, looking at Second Peter, and we're still in the first chapter of it. Uh, it's our third week. Um, really excited to continue that. We've been learning about a little bit about who Peter was, who wrote the book as a apostle, a messenger from Jesus, and uh, how he talks about Jesus as God, and, and and talks about how this divine power comes to us um, through knowing Jesus. And today we're going to look at what happens when we then have that divine power given to us, we're actually participating in, in God's work. What, what does that look like? But first, I got to share a little bit what happened to me this weekend. Um, I had the opportunity to use my chainsaw. And typically, uh, it's not always for a great reason. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it's because a tree fell down. And that's what happened. We had these this storm, hopefully none of you had any damage, but our neighbor uh, had a, a tree snap kind of in the middle of it into their yard. Thankfully, they were safe. Um, it did land on a shed, but they came over and asked if I happened to have a chainsaw. And I said, oh, I got a chainsaw. And so I got to get the chainsaw out and um, go over and help trim a tree and cut it up, which, you know, in the moment you get like, th thank yous. Oh, thanks. And I'm like, inside, I'm thinking I was thrilled to just fire up a chainsaw um, and got to cut cut the tree up and got the girls out there and we're helping. Um, uh, it was good. It was good to use it. And, and I did have a moment. I came back home and I was kind of full of sawdust and uh, dirty from that. And I smelled a little bit like uh, bar oil, which is the oil you put in the, to 
in the chainsaw. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm kind of gross. I sat down and that smell of the wood and the chainsaw and the gas and the fumes and things brings me back to being a kid. When I was a kid, we would burn wood in our home and uh, to heat, to partially heat our home. And I spent a lot of time uh, carrying wood, hauling wood, splitting wood with my dad. Um, and at, oh, at times I think I hated it. I thought, oh, another day, <sighs> cutting wood, chopping wood. My friends, I'm sure, are all playing Nintendo somewhere and I'm chopping wood. Um, but I, it was a moment where I sat, hopefully everyone's maybe had one of these moments where I sat and I was really, really grateful for my dad that in our house, that was a skill that I was taught. I was taught how to put a chain on, how to start an engine up, how to mix the gasoline and the oil for the gas, uh, what happens when the chain falls off, what happens when the sawdust looks a little different, the chain's getting uh, dull, how to sharpen a chain, all the things, that, all the skills, all the parts of being able to handle a chainsaw safely. So, so yesterday when my neighbor's tree fell down, I actually, that skill I already had, that was a, that's a household skill. In, in the Zulky house when I was a boy. And uh, I thought, man, I'm thankful that in our house, in our family as a kid, that was something my dad had us do um, and didn't necessarily love it. It was definitely work, a lot of effort. But I developed that skill that I met my neighbors and someone asked, how do you know how to do that? I'm like, how, how, do you not know how, to, how do you not know how to use a chainsaw? Which is a silly question, right? That's not like a regular skill. And I was really thankful that in our house, that was a skill that was used. And that skill not only was helpful in cutting wood for us and maybe, you know, chopping trees down in my own yard and trimming trees, but ultimately even helpful in helping others and caring for others in a very simple, easy way. Um, and that's that's what I'm excited about today in Second Peter, that, that when we enter in to a household you're entered in, right? You're welcomed in, you're brought in. But then when you're in that household, there are like, there's certain skills, right? You're kind of in the family business now. If we were a family that ran a pizza, a pizza place, we'd all kind of grow up learning how to make pizzas, right? And um, I think this is what an opportunity we have uh, to look at that today. And Peter doesn't just say, now you have God's divine power, just sit on it and enjoy it and use it for all of your heart's desires. He says, when you're in the house of God, when you've been welcomed in, you, you're going to grow up in the house of God, and there's some skills we're all going to have. And those skills aren't just for God's house, but it's going to be for um, others. And I'm really excited. He actually gives us a list, which which is really helpful. We don't always get that in Scripture, right? It just says, go love people. What does that mean? Well, this is actually going to give us a little list of that. So let's let's hop in uh, to Second uh, Peter here. Um, I'll have all the words. Oh, I'm going to go back. Oh, you got a little sneak preview there. I'm going to go. Uh, we're going to start in Second Peter uh, f- verse uh, chapter one, verse five. Follow along. The, the uh, scripture will be on the screen. Um, otherwise, if you love to just take some notes or things, um, crack open your own Bible at home, too. Uh, we'd love to have you do that. So let's start here in Second Peter uh, uh, chapter one, verse five. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Well, we're going to stop here. We're going to stop here. This is for this very reason. If you're reading scripture and you hear therefore or because of the things I just said, 
for this very reason, we're going to stop and go back so that these things make sense that we're about to read. Okay, let's do that quick. So, 1 Peter chapters 3 and 4. Just move back because he's saying, for this reason. What reason? Well, Peter starts this uh, this great part of this chapter, and he explains this divine power. Let me just read this to you. His divine power, talking about Jesus, God, has been given us every has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge, our knowing of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them. Those promises through his power you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So he's saying we're given this divine power that allows us, if you um, were here last week, this to worship this godly life or godliness or this good worship to, to actually do what we were created to do. We're able to do that through knowing Jesus. We know Jesus. We connect, Jesus brings us into the family of God, and then he brings us into the family of God. And then, for this very reason, he gives us his power. It's his power, his saving grace, his peace. He gives us these things. This gospel changes our hearts from stone to flesh. And then for that reason, now we get into verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So he's given us. Entered, he's pulled us and adopted us into God's family. And now add to your faith. He's going to give us a little list here. Goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, brotherly affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in knowing Jesus. Whatever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of Stuff going on there. We're gonna we're gonna walk it through. So we start for this very reason. Make every effort for goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection or brotherly uh, family affection and for love. It says it actually gives us a list of things that we should strive for, that we should give effort towards. Actually, things that we should. Move. I, this is interesting because I, depending on your own experience, maybe your own history, or depending maybe just your own personality, um, I think the gospel can sound like Jesus saved you and you've been welcomed in his family. Now just hang out and wait for him to return. Or he saved you and now use him and his power to do all those things you wanted to do before. As if he's Jesus has just come to help enable you in, in the, the worship of other things, right? But it's, And we can get really nervous about this. We don't need to do anything. It's not about things we're doing because uh, I, I know from my own history, I was a person who thought I was good with God because 
I was a good person. I was doing good things and being a nice person and helping people. I was cutting down trees with a chainsaw. So God must be happy with me. And I was going, I was going the wrong way. That doesn't get me into the family of God. God adopts me into his family, brings me in. I didn't earn that. If, if I, he would have said, yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of nice, but you're also kind of terrible at times. You know what? Jesus is perfect and has died and bled so that you could be in my family now. Now I look at Jesus and I see you. And so you know Jesus and you're in the family. And then once I'm in the family, there's things. So there's this difference in these two. I like um, these two using these two words. There's a difference in earning my place in the family and effort after being in the family. Effort and earning are two different things. And so we're not talking about and, and earning our way in by doing this list of things. We're talking about effort after being in those things. After being now in the family, our hearts changing. Now all of a sudden, I have this desire to actually develop some skills in my goodness and my knowledge and my self-control and my perseverance and my godliness and my mutual affection and my love. I now, because that has changed me, I no longer have to pursue all of these things I can, I'm free now to pursue these great good things um, out of it. So, so I, I clarify that because we're about to look at these things um, and what, what they are. And, uh, I, and I love his definitions. I have, um, uh, we're going to look at this chunk right here of just that list. I think that list is a helpful assessment. And for me, it, it's a list I could look at often and say, how are these looking in my life? Um, and so we're going to look at the list. And actually, I love the definition here um, from this man. Tocumbo Adeyemo. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it. I love this guy. He's been a really encouraging to me. I've never met this man, but he has written the, the Africa Bible Commentary. He's written a lot of books. He's uh, a pioneer in helping uh, to bring uh, theological training mentorship, pastor. He, he's a shepherd who, um, uh, of, of people uh, in Africa, he's, he's helping to develop great churches and leaders in Africa. People have called him the Charles Spurgeon of Africa or the Tim Keller of Africa. I'd say maybe Tim Keller's more of the Adeyemo of America, maybe instead. Um, that wouldn't work for Spurgeon because he's, I think he was dead before he was alive. But this, this guy is amazing, and he, he um, wrote this Bible commentary along with other things, and in there he, def- he actually uh, takes each of these words and explains what they would have meant to the people that heard this um, first. And so we're going to look a little bit. I think I got a picture of him. There he is. Good-looking guy. Let's look at um, what, how he says this. Uh, as we do this, I want you to, to actually – Consider this. When I when we read through this definition, consider, is this fruit in my life? Would someone say, goodness, oh, I think I think it drew when I think of that. Um, or you think, ooh, that one's a tough one for me. That's a skill I want to put some effort forth uh, because now we're talking about working in God's family, which is not just within our church, but that's a that's a family that is welcoming more? And is this something um, that's doing that in my own life? So let's take a little assessment here. He starts with goodness. Goodness, he says, translates a word that also has been translated as virtue, courage, and excellence. Oh, what a word. Could you, one word that means virtue, courage, and excellence. It can be used of a land that is fertile and productive. Would you describe yourself as 
Ertl productive. It is the quality that makes a person friendly, courageous, a good citizen, and skilled in the art of living well. Skilled in the art of living well sounds like the title of a book. I'm sure there's a book with that title. Um, I hope it's Know Jesus and then Learn to the Art of Living Well. And then he moves on to knowledge. He says the word knowledge here is, a pra- is practical knowledge that enables one to decide rightly and act effectively. So this is just knowing what's going on, just be able to discern things around you and act right and effective. Self-control, I really like his definition, is more than just the ability to use reason to control one's emotions. It's more than just buckle down, don't do dumb things, do good things, right? Don't let your emotions control you. He says, Christian self-control is submission to the control of the indwelling Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. Here they get Christian self-control. As as believers, people in God's family, it's not just us going, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Don't eat this thing. Stop eating this thing. Don't do this thing. Don't go to this place. Don't talk to this person. Don't talk in this way. Come on, you can do this. Come on, you can do this. It says we actually submit ourselves to the control of the indwelling Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We actually turn to the Spirit of God. Do you remember Galatians 5, which we looked at just last week? Galatians 5 points us to that. If we live by the flesh or the Spirit, the Spirit actually changes our, our how we control ourselves. Um, man, good. Let's keep moving here on the list. Perseverance has been described as the queen of virtues. It is patience with courage behind it and hope in its front yard. Here they get I love that imagery. It is patience, but with courage behind it, pushing it ahead and hope in its front yard that we can look towards you. It is the tenacity that refuses to give up when trouble comes, but always looks forward to a better tomorrow. That's my new definition of perseverance. I mean, how good is that? It refuses to give up in trouble. Why? Because we're looking forward to a better tomorrow, to a hope. And for us, we know in Scripture that a better tomorrow means everything is made right through Christ. So we can persevere. Godliness translates a word that is rarely used in the New Testament probably because it was commonly used with reference to pagan religion. This word godliness was used earlier in 2 Peter. And I've referenced it actually means like good worship or proper worship. And that word, uh, the original word for that, would be used often in pagan worship and worship of other gods. And they would say, hey, you, you need to have more godliness, meaning you need to worship better, have better worship. So it's interesting. He's using that with people who would have grown up hearing that phrase as proper worship. And so now he's saying you need to have this proper worship with Jesus. Here it refers to piety towards God and the practical love for our fellow human beings, especially the most vulnerable and needy. So I love this. It's like Peter's redeemed this word and said, hey, that that thing you were called to do before, it comes out of the gospel and what Jesus has done. It's not a thing you're doing now for the gods to be happy with you. It's a thing that Jesus has already done, and now out of you comes this love for God and love for people around you. Now this continues to move towards this interacting with other people. Brotherly kindness or mutual affection translates uh, what is literally love of the brethren. 
It is the family affection that naturally provides care, support, and solidarity. Such kindness should be a trademark of our Christian community. Amen. So that is that is us caring well for each other. So I love I love to use the word solidarity here. This is us connecting and being with one another, behind each other. That courage that you might get to persevere often can come because of brotherly kindness, right? Because of love of the brethren. We're reminded of that hope in front of us because of one another. Now, all, all of these six are, um, aren't necessarily in an order like it's not linear. It, it, it's debated a little bit with scholars if this is an order like you do this and then you do this and then you do this and, and then eventually you graduate to love at the end we're about to get to. It's actually more of like a list of here's this and this and this, except the last one, the way the last one is phrased is actually more like, and then of this is like the one that sort of covers all of it. It's almost like a fireworks show. Oh, they're all, oh, I love that. They're all good. And then the big finale is the best. And this really, the one thing, if anything, they all build to this one that kind of is sown in between all of them and it's love and it's agape love. Love here is agape. God's unconditional love for the righteous and the wicked alike. Did you hear that? This is love for all people, those who are faithful to him and those who are not faithful to him. This love for all, such love is the nature of God, which we inherit when we are born again. When we enter into his family, born into God's family, we inherit love for all. Agape desires the highest good of the one loved. Remember the one being loved is righteous people and wicked people, um, which results in sacrificial action for that person's good. It is what God shows for us in John 3.16 and expects us to have for one another in 1 John 3.16. Those are two great passages, John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, which is uh, ex- explaining us the gospel in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that we could be into his family and First John 3.16 is insane. And then if we don't love one another like that, I don't know if we're in the family. And so I think it's, it's really interesting. So he's saying this big build ultimately is could we be people? Can we develop our skill through, the, through God's power and it's the Holy Spirit to be unconditional lovers of those who are righteous and wicked? No, it, just like God does. He does not say, are you doing all these things right? Are you following the rules? And then you're in. He's saying, come into the family of God and I'm going to change your heart so that you become people who do those things. Um, Well, thanks, Mr. Adiemo. We are blessed by your words. We're going to keep moving here. Um, I'm really encouraged uh, by his definitions here because they've given me some, th- some skills to work on, some things to move towards that we're actually called not to just be uh, saved through our salvation, justified through Christ, but we're also called to sanctification, which is a growing and developing. This is when we've talked about Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. This is Jesus being our Lord and, and changing us so we look more like him, not just to live good, worshipful lives, but also so that more people can see what it looks like to be in the family of God. Let's, let's get back here. So we're in verse 8, right in the middle there. It says, 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge or knowing of Jesus Christ. So those skills, you're feeling ineffective, unproductive, you're feeling not connected to Jesus. Consider how, how, what are the outworkings, the fruit of your faith and your belief in the gospel. It says, but whoever does not have these things is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I like that he says nearsighted and blind. Hey, you can't see things that are far away and you can't see anything. He's saying you can't, you're not seeing things. You're not seeing straight. You're still blind. This often is used as a description of when people finally understand the gospel. They say, oh, I don't have to do all these things to work for God's approval. I actually am accepted by God and loved by God. And then you do those. Then you get to do those things out of that love for God. And so people aren't seeing that. And then it says their eyes open. If you remember the story of Paul, who was called Saul, literally his eyes had scales over them. And then when they fell off, he could see. And he followed. Jesus went from killing Christians to to, uh, loving uh, and being a Christian and helping more people, in fact, willing to give his own life uh, as a follower of Jesus. So I, there's something I want to stop here and consider. I think we want to be careful here. This isn't asking, this passage, Paul here isn't, or Peter here isn't saying, hey, um, make sure people know that you do those things. It's not actually, he hasn't actually uh, shared yet, hey, it's really important. These things are important. So people will know what it looks like to be in the family of God and actually will actually want to be in the family of God. The attractiveness to being in a family that is godly and knowledgeable, that has, that has kindness, love of the brethren, right, who will love you unconditionally. Um, he's actually right now just saying, as a follower of Jesus, this is what it looks like. Um, and, and I think we got to be careful because we can start thinking that we want to make sure people know that we have these qualities, almost as if we're we're trying to prove that we have these qualities, even if we don't have these qualities, kind of gets us off the hook. We're kind of this term signaling right now in our culture is popular. We can sort of signal that. So let's say I post on Facebook, hey, just another day helping my neighbors with me, you know, out there chopping trees up with my chainsaw. You know, maybe a comment like my greatest weakness is that I can't Say no when people need help. Hashtag saint, right? I'm just letting people know because I hope it inspires others to, to pick up their chainsaws and cut some trees, right? We sometimes want to signal to the world that we possess those skills. And, and then here's what's even here's what's interesting about this too. We not only signal to the world that we possess those skills, but then I think. We sometimes like to signal to the world in the comments that that person is just doing that. That guy doesn't really care about his neighbors. He's just trying to show off that he's got some goodness in him, that he's showing some brotherly affection, right? And so we get our our little comment here from Peter the Apostle, right? He recognizes that I have some brotherly affection. He sees me. He goes, man, that guy's good stuff. That guy's awesome. And I go, I don't have to do any more good, I can go back into my home and I can do whatever I want because now I've told the world I'm good. I've checked off the things on my list. And then John comes on. Oh, John. 
And he says, you're not that great. I'm so glad I consi- I discovered this fraud. And he starts posting about how I don't like, how I, how I complained about cutting down trees or how I don't really usually help people. He finds the faults in me. And so now here's what it becomes. It becomes us uh, showing through, because of social media, quick posting so people know how good we are. I think, he, right, even in the church, Make sure everyone knows, oh, I am good. I'm saying the right stuff. I do care about people. I do have a God I love, right? Look at my shirt that I'm wearing in the picture. And then and then we, here's what the rest of us do. We say, we say, uh, oh, we call them out. That person's a fraud. They're fake. They're posting this on Instagram, but they're not really that way. They're not really this way. We're good. We're so great. We're the great whistleblowers who who call out goodness. And now guess what we're doing? The same thing. This is crazy cycle. We all are, are making sure that we are right and we're good and we can call out the people who are bad. And none of that is doing what Second Peter is calling us to do here. He's just saying, when we understand the gospel, let's go back here. Look at this. Look at this passage in here in verse nine. It says, they were forgetting that they had been cleansed from their sins. When we forget the gospel, then we start using this list. It's a great list as a way to be better, to call it those who aren't doing it, to, to call it that we're at least better at it. We start making our own list. So we have to be real careful here. These things are great, great qualities and they're effort that we should make in developing these skills, but they have to come out of us remembering that we've been cleansed from our past sins. Can you imagine who's saying this? Peter is saying this. A man who grew up being told, follow these rules, do all these things, look this way, because then God will forgive your sins. He, he, will, he will bless you. You will be righteous. And those people who don't do them won't be. And then Christ comes and, and wrecks them and changes them and, and changes his heart. And then he goes, oh, now I desire to do those things. I want those things. I'm going to develop those skills because now I'm in God's family. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this great thing. As soon as we forget, as soon as we forget, we start becoming people who just are patrolling, right? The interwebs looking for who isn't doing those things, which then actually causes us to be those people. I, I say this because I, I feel this. How quick I am. Oh, what are they doing? What are they thinking? How about, we, how about I spend my time cutting down my neighbor's tree, getting to know my neighbor, loving my neighbor, and then I come home, take a shower, and hang out with my family? What if no one knows I did that, right? Except that I just, you know, spent half the sermon using that illustration. So now you all do know how awesome I am. Let's continue to the end here. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will not, you will never stumble. And interesting, if we strive for these this skills, if, if we make effort towards these things, which are gospel-centered, godly things that Christ has done, that the Spirit empowers us to do, that actually will cause us to not stumble, to fall away from God. When we're working in God's family, we're not coming out of his family. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter's not saying, do these things or God won't let you in heaven someday. He's saying, if you're doing those things, it shows that you're in God's family. I, I, um, I've talked to a friend who's like third generation running a business. And I said, wow, what, what would have happened if you didn't want to run the business? Like if you'd grown up and said, 
I don't want to be in the insurance business. It's like, I, don't, I can't imagine being in anything else. Well, yeah, but you know, what if you wanted to be Bob Ross, right? At 100. What if you wanted to, I, don't, I grew up, this is what we did. We helped people. I learned from my dad and my grandfather. We are, this is what our family does. And so I, in, you know, it, would you have gotten like in trouble in your family? No, I, this is what our family does. I think this is what our family does. We seek good worship through our love of people around us. All people around us. I, um, I, I want to consider this. Just one more way to think about this. If you're taking the test, school's getting ready to start. Um, and we're, our kids are starting to think about school and they're asking questions. How are we going to take tests? What if other kids cheat on the test and it's not fair? What if we take a test, right? We get a sheet of paper. I write my name on it. So otherwise you get points, docked. They say, how are these things going? How are these, your goodness, your knowledge, your self-control, perseverance, your godliness. Your bro-. At that point, I'm like, I've already failed. It doesn't matter where we get your love, right? I'm thinking... Maybe a C minus, right? Good effort. I get the smiley face encouragement from the teacher. Uh, this is how this is how I can feel as a kid who grew up feeling like if I follow the rules and I'm a good kid, that things will work out for me and ultimately God will be happy with me. This isn't true. This is true that I'm a C minus. Actually, I'm that's very generous. I'm an easy D minus. Maybe I'm not a failure though. Well, maybe, right? I uh, am a C minus, but here's what we can't forget. We're not in the family of God because we did these things. We get to do these things because Jesus crossed our name out, wrote his name in. We get the A plus because they go, you're incredible. You've showed goodness in the way you live. You have this great knowledge and wisdom of how things work. You have this self-control, like the spirit of God is in you, leading you in your desires and actions. You can persevere. You have this courage pushing you from behind and this hope in front of you in your front yard. I love that. You have this godless, this perfect, right worship of the true God, and that motivates you. You have brotherly kindness, the way you love those around you and care for those and in solidarity with those who are hurting. And you have great love for all people, putting their needs even ahead of your own. No, that's not me. No, that's Jesus who has done that for us so that we can be in the family of God. And now we can turn around and do these things with Jesus and his power. That's really good news because we are not graded on these things. We now just get to do these things because of Jesus. I want to look at one last thing here as we, as we end um, and consider um, th- this book of Second Peter is written um, to, to this group of people who are having an issue in their community where false teachers are coming and teaching a false gospel. And Peter is, is hitting hard on this power of God and the gospel being our, our center and then out of that coming these things because because these people are teaching a different thing and not the gospel. They're teaching a salvation through works or a salvation that you've been saved and now you're not called to do anything. You're called just to your own desires, almost a adding Jesus onto your life 
to power the things you want to do. And they are doing some, some not great things and hurting people. And so he's setting this up first to remind us, this is what it looks like. Now let's talk about these people here. And I can't help but think Peter is remembering when he is writing this today, uh, writing this to them then. And today we're reading second Peter. I can't help, uh, uh, think that he's remembering this moment with Jesus. There's this moment where Jesus takes his disciples. He says, come, come with me. And they go up a mountain and they sit on a mountainside and Jesus gives this teaching uh, to them where he unpacks how the world works. He, he flips lots of things on their heads and he says, you need to understand this is a heart condition thing. This is a worship thing. I need, I need hearts changed worship towards me, and out of that will come fruit, will actually come right fruit. But I'm not looking for lots of fruit and then trying to attach that to a tree. I'm looking for heart change. He's he's talking about very real things, adultery and divorce and how people treat people they work with and how, um, how when you say you hate someone, it's as if you're murdering someone. It's a heart thing. What's in your heart is what is really important. The inside to the outside, not the outside to the inside. And so I can't, I can't, uh, I, I imagine Peter, as he's writing Second Peter, years after this moment on the mountainside, thinking, remembering that moment that Jesus sat with him and told him these stories and was training him so that one day he could pass that on to others. And this is one of the things Jesus says um, on, that, on that mountainside with Peter. He says, watch out for false prophets. He has to be thinking that he's writing a letter to people who have false prophets. And he says, How, what, did you, what would Jesus tell them? And he's, he's retelling us, but th- this, these are the words of Jesus here in Matthew 7. This is what Peter would have heard, the disciples would have heard sitting around. They would have heard Jesus say, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Hear that? The things they're doing will, will indicate if they're in God's family, if their hearts have been changed by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The answer is no. You get thorns from thorn bushes, not grapes. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good, bad, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. So Peter here is not just telling us these are good options now that you've been saved. He's saying this is what the fruit of a follower of Jesus looks like. And not only is it the fruit of what the follower of Jesus looks like, it's the fruit that we all desire from those around us. You think back to when Tiffany shared this morning, she said, what if my labor was to be a good friend? How much of this fruit is us building the skills to be really great friends to those around us? And what a time is it that people need good friends? and friends that will point them to the true God. So the gospel gives us the opportunity and the power to be great friends, to love people well. 
a few things just to think about as we wrap up. In a moment, we're going to pray with one another and we're going to take communion together to remember how good it is that Jesus has saved us. I encourage you to grab that and, and start posting your prayer requests. A couple things to reflect on as we take some time to take communion. Do you know that you are cleansed of your sins because of Jesus? Maybe you don't even know that to remember that. What a day to say, yes, I want to follow that Jesus who doesn't expect me to fulfill and, and pass a test. Instead, he welcomes me in and then gives me the power to do those things. Do you know what you want to be more skilled at? Think, look at that list. I mean, just reading it, every one of them. Yep, that one. Uh, well, maybe that one. I, for me, I think perseverance continue to come up of uh, how do I how do I push through hard things knowing the hope that's ahead of me and then and then just questioning what is your source for those things considering you're someone who does love people well what is the source of that what's the motivator for why you're loving people well it, it could be the gospel it could also just be that it's popular it could also be that um, you don't want other people upset with you what is your source? Because sources will fail, but the gospel will not. And then, and then th- consider now already, who are you going to meet this week who needs Jesus-like love? You're going to meet someone, and they're going to need someone to love them right where they're at. Um, and you get the opportunity to do that. Consider already even praying for them and being ready for that.